What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and you're here for another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest, Nigel Lynch. We are here to talk about not only Stray Dogs, The Wounded, Episode 2. First, this issue that I, that I basically got as a gift from this, this young man, Nigel Lynch, here. But we are here to also talk about Critical Ops Task Force, which is now live on Kickstarter for Wise Acre Comics. Note that there is a past episode with Frederick Littles in the past, so if you have to, check that out. But glad to have you here, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. No, 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 absolutely, man. Look, now, for one, I I say this again. Thank you for the gift. Um, it, was, it, it was great to read, and noting now that there is an expansion in this book, uh makes it a little bit more worthwhile now to talk about the 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 story briefly um mm -hmm. we're talking about the act of a certain case of mercenaries in a, in, in a, a few of your books now what brought you into the creation of this book and what seems to be your detailed task in telling the story of a certain mercenary by the name of shawnee belcourt so I've been doing this for a while, and I always was a big fan of science fiction. So I wanted to do a science fiction-based uh, story. I wanted to branch out and do different genres. The first book I did was kind of a street drama set in the Caribbean. So I wanted to kind of break away from that and do something totally different. So I went with science fiction. And the, the I always had this kind of infatuation with mercenaries, the mentality, the, the part, what they did in history, a lot of stuff, they've, they've changed the course of history from, let's say from the Middle Ages, even when it was knights, a lot of knights mm -hmm. were mercenaries, samurais and mercenaries. So I was always fascinated with that, people killing for money, uh, switching loyalties. So it's set in the Caribbean because I'm from the Caribbean and it's set in the future. So I wanted to kind of set it where what if there was a mercenary group from the Caribbean and the world was divided, where the world was divided into the first class nations and the third class nations. So in the book, they're called the uh, pirate nations because they didn't sign a treaty to become a part of the greater world group. So they were just basically cast away. So that's the crux of the beginning of the universe. So that you kind of have that divided, you're seeing it from the point of view of uh, lower nations or the Caribbean. And it was a little bit to do with me growing up in the 80s, where the world, for me, if, as close as we are in the Caribbean to the US, we were in two different worlds. We got technology five years later. We, got, we saw movies a year later, two years later, stuff like that. So it always felt like when you did travel to the United States, you would go into this amazing land. And that's kind of where I kind of set up my story from where if we did separate or there are parts of the world where we still have people living like if they were living 100 years and we still have people going to try to get to mars that's the amazing thing where how the mm -hmm. difference of this world is you know what i mean got people struggling to probably eat and there's somebody trying to get to mars so that's this kind of stuff i want to kind of focus on i show the divide in the world in this story got you now, when we come to, in reading book one of uh, Stray Dogs, um, the the description and basically I would say in the first 10 pages of Shani mm -hmm. and, and 
in her details that she's not a mercenary at first. You know, she's no. more so she's she's in the military, and she's in she's in like a private. Yeah, she's kind of in private security. Private. Oh, okay. So it it, it yeah. made it seem like the concept that she was more militarized than anything, uh, especially her and her her partner Martinez. Um, yes. Now, she seems like more of a free spirit, and she was hardlined on on her decision making to where she figured out i just wanted to do my time and then when my time is up and my contract is up however they 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 felt like they wanted to subside how she was brought about she was going to start her own thing she wanted to go back home and pretty much take into the lessons that she's learned possibly working in private security and starting up her own gang which ends up being the maroons that you see here in book two now how does this Ultimately, because there's there's so many facets to this, so many themes. Uh, you have a a black market aspect, which is a black market narrative, to where um, you see the passing of basically um, certain items that should not be deemed legal to purchase, but yet they're they're basically transported through couriers for money. And note, this is also in the future. So this is the dystopian future of twenty one thirty seven, I believe, in the books. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like twenty yeah. Yeah, and, and and the people that you even see just in, in regular time throughout the panels, they uh have separate body parts, uh limbs that are basically amputated and rebooted with robotics. Like the, this is the this is now the world that we live in. Like the person who basically took on the, the courier spot base uh pretty much had like a a transport of currency brought to them in order for them to uh for for the girl rosa who was the courier at that time yeah to transport everything and he had a missing limb he had basically already an android type skull so he was almost humanoid half android in certain sense but this is like kind of like the world that we live in now to where robotics has now taken over somewhat of the i guess the 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 uh, the medical aspect of how people are now living their lives. If something is cancerous or falling apart, you're now just replacing it with a robotic uh, robotic tool, whether it's an appendage or an internal organ. Yes, uh, that was that was very much. Uh, sometimes, as you do science fiction, you're kind of you're kind of projecting what you think the future would be, and you're also looking at how things are in your time. So one of the things that I had to kind of do, and the reason why I set so far in the future is because if you set things so close, we in two, two, we are almost, every time we get there so quickly. So 2037 is just around the corner, it doesn't mean you know what I mean? So That's it's true. like set it as set it as far as, as possible where you still have the, the uh, freedom. And the, the beauty about technology is, so you will see as we go forward in time, we don't get rid of old technology. Mm -hmm. Technology coexists, old and new. There's still people probably with tube TVs. Um, when you think of weapons, there's guns like the uh, 1911, which was created in 1911, M6, uh, the AK-47. So these guns don't go older style. We still use technology once they're still working. So the concept of your story will to show the advancements and then also to show that there would be certain things that aren't as advanced. Uh, even the main character, she has a robotic eye yeah. that has a that has a very important part to do with the plot. So I try to make sure that all these things that I kind of mentioned or kind of have in the story 
to have a payoff. To, right. To come back in. Yeah. Now, she kind of gets herself in a little bit of trouble, like in the first couple books, because not only the fact that she damn near gets killed, like in the first in, in the first going into the second, but mm -hmm. she takes a piece of something that more than likely does not belong to her. And yeah. she comes to understand that the people that are hunting her down are another mercenary group called the Golden Jackals. And one of their yes. aspects is that they never forget. And they're pretty yeah. much on the hunt for going forth. So it's kind of like going into the second book and into this book. It's like it's more now known that the Jackals are are behind a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, I'm going. So that was one of the things in writing the story. I wanted to make sure that just one of my there's two goals I kind of had. I, one goal was to have it that if you read book one, it felt like the complete story. So when you read it and you end it, even though you may say, well, I would love to read what happens next, you knew it had a beginning, middle, end. Yeah. And in the second book, you could read that book independently without knowing what happened in book one, feel as though it's a, a full story. So but at the same time, you would notice there were certain threads that came through from book one into book two, like stuff that happened to her partner. She's kind of still dealing with that. Right. She's still hung up mentally. She's still hung up on the jackals. And that's probably that's the only reason she kind of went a friend in the wounds to kind of for that future. So the going forward, I'm trying to pay off all of these aspects. So maybe by book three, we'll have back in the jackals again, or maybe in the book four. But um, so those are some of the aspects where I'm trying to do where you create the universe, but also try to remember everything and tie off those things so that the reader will feel satisfied that the chapters are dealt with the different aspects as, as you say right right now and and then and, and note when you do read issue two like you probably don't see shiny until maybe like page six or, or page eight because yeah. of the fact that the one of the overlying intro plots of the of the the, the second book is the fact that there is a a young lady who's basically around with her children, but in, in the midst of all this, her possessions are being repossessed. And all of a sudden, a package arrives for her kids, and her kids have now been like almost completely wiped clean by almost like an Oculus-type technology that is now uh, like almost like a VR, virtual reality-type yeah. type yeah. concept. They think it's a toy, but it ends up like brain manipulation, punishing them and throwing them directly into the hospital to where it counteracts us now meeting Shani in real time, which which all, yeah. which also goes to that benefit. But when we get into the books, like we come to find out more about almost like why Shani wanted to go home, why she wanted to build her own team and more so why now people from the island reach out to her. Even when they, even when she's too far, they'll they'll go to her because they feel like she's a reliable person. Yeah, yeah. Um, the this story, as I said, it revolves around her, and the reason why it's called the wounded is because she's dealing with a lot of the. If it's not physical, yep. As in book two, you will see something physical kind of happens. Um, if it's not mental, emotional, so it's it's a very personal book around her. And as you said, the trying to make also the island and the setting a character. So so that when especially there's a lot more hopping in book two. So you will find that every setting has like its own flavor 
from Render would be, let's say, the red light district versus like Render on the racing circuit, you no know, versus from Render the car B kind of thing. Yeah. And try to tie in all that kind of stuff. So it's very personal to her. And as you said, it when she's at home, uh, I try to try to make it where when you when she's at home, it feels as though she's at home. I mean, she's away. She's at. She feels as though she's distant, right. kind of thing. Now, now, if you could, there's a mysterious antagonist in the second book, uh, Mr. Lin. So, yes. like, if you could describe him, because he seems like somebody that is very calm in his approach, and yet can be mm. completely diabolical. Why did you come so, up with the creation of this character? Okay, so there's two characters uh, that kind of tie in as well. Hammer and Lin. And it's not really a spoiler, but the, the idea behind these characters are we live in a world right now where there's a lot of corporate crime. Where we live in a world where supervillains are people who like uh, do really throwing us thing with uh, the, the lady who was doing the, the blood scam thing. We, every day we hear about things with NFTs and rug pulls and all kind of stuff. So I kind of want to set it where the person in the story who were the shady characters were with somebody on, in, on that level, right? And what it was, the, 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 the issue, what I wanted to do too was, even though these people are cold people, they still have a, a way to get them, which is your family. So Lynn and Hammer were two people who kind of did some shady stuff. And as you said, they kind of was getting their stuff possessed and they're on the brink of bankruptcy. But they kind of crossed the wrong people. So then those people went after their kids. So therefore now at the seizure, uh, they had to reach out to Shani to get help. And the way how the story is set up, we don't know if Lynn is dirty or not. I tried to present him as being clean. Mm-hmm. But then, as but then, as it goes forward, you realize that he was as dirty as his partner because he still signed off on some of this stuff. And um, you know, I try to do things like show there's, there's a part in there where they did acts of kindness towards certain groups and uh, certain countries, but it was almost as though it was done for guilt, uh, like mm-hmm. because remember there it was through their technology that the people were affected and they lost limbs and that kind of stuff. Yep. So I try to, when I try to write a story, I try to do a, a story and a B story. I try to do different levels so that if you kind of read it, you will pick up stuff that you didn't pick up your first time. And, and if you read it again, you will see little Easter eggs and, and things like that. Mm. Now, how does this correlate into this newest book? That's live on Kickstarter. Already funded, by the way. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Uh, it's set in the same world. And it, the COTF book uh, is 10 years in the past compared to Darius Redogs. Um, But that was really... The characters in that book were supposed to be the original um, stars that I was thinking of doing. But what happened was I was working on the original project and true different uh, timing schedules, the books kind of got delayed. So in the spare time, I started to do Diary of the Stray Dogs. Shani's a character that was also in the COTF books. 
in the in the future, but I decided to well let me go back since I had time and do the origin story of these characters. So mm -hmm. the COTF is the origin of a character called Douglas St. James, and he's a super soldier, badass mercenary with uh, nanobots. And the tone of that book is a totally different. That's like a 80s action. Like, as, as I like to describe it, it's almost like um, Extinction meets the Raid. It's that mm -hmm. kind of high, high energy kind of thing. And the artist, uh, he worked on a book with... Chris Moses, Chris Moses, Chris Moses. Uh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Saturn Effect. That that team that worked on Saturn Effect. That's the same guy, and they did a brilliant job. When I saw that, when I saw his work, I kind of wrote a story around to capture that style that he has. He has that kind of energy, that kind of like real crazy style. So I wrote a story that kind of like dealt with his um his pluses and what he's good at. So that's how we ended up coming up with the COTF book. But I always had the COTF as characters within this universe. Right. And they're even mentioned, they're even mentioned in the Diary Straight Out. And I tried to tie. So you will also see characters in the COTF book that appear in the Diary Straight Outs, but they would be 10 years younger, or you'd say, Hey, I know that guy. He's the guy that did such and such. So I try right. to tie them in, but little insects. Now is it so the the company that private security company that we saw in issue one of Stray Dogs is more so detailing the early beginnings of the COTF. Uh, no, that's just to introduce Shani and to give her to show her her role. So her strength was is that she was a pilot. She was mm -hmm. just a pilot, right? Right. So, right. And what she wanted to do was when she retired was to go back to the Caribbean and be a pilot and. Curry, courier people from island to island and rich people who come down just kind of do that kind of stuff. But it was only with crossing the jackals did she then think of really jumping into the uh, mercenary game mm. seriously because of the stuff that she kind of lost and knowing how serious these golden jackals would be. Right. Now, now, of course, with COTF, we get a whole brand new set of characters that are that are brought into this into this book. Please, if you would, if you if you could describe, um, rattle off uh, who who we should see as part, as a part of this brand new team. Right. So the team is uh they're called the Red Team, and they're led by Douglas and James. He's a leader, and he's also from Barbados. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to represent Caribbean characters. And then there's a guy called Tyler McPherson, and he's the guy with the axe. And there's a newbie to the team called Jess. And there are two other members. Uh, they are background characters for now, but they all have different personalities. So when writing a team, especially a team book, it's all about balancing. Everybody can't be the focus of every story. So this I first story kind of, yeah, kind of focuses on Douglas, Tyler, and Jess. And Jess being a new member to the team is kind of that window for the reader to get information and she will ask the questions and she'll be that naive person. And as the stories go on, um, we will learn more about the team. We'll see about the mental state of these characters too because they're more psychopaths. They're more like... They're more jaded. They're more jaded characters because, as again, to do with the medical experiments they've been going through, you know, like 
wars and the different atrocities they've kind of seen that a certain part of them has kind of shut off. So the character Jess being new to this we'll see if she will become corrupted or if she will pull some of them out of that mentality, you know, if she will cause them to regain their humanity. So there's an underlying story underneath just the action and the craziness. I try right. to do two stories at the same time. Almost like, a, I guess, a deep dive, dive into the, the psychosis of a lot of military members me me myself I, I was in the air force myself so um just being i i guess the jessica jess's character being someone who's new to the fold and is almost understanding a sort of shell shock herself because you got two people that she now has to work with that are just maniacal in their approach and how they how they determine themselves into running things and Jess at this point has to just go along with it. You know, yeah. if I if I gotta like if they're running in the fire, I think I'm gonna have to too. <laughs> you know, yeah. almost yeah. almost in that aspect. But also, and again, um, this is a collaborative piece. So your your company, uh Beyond Caribbean Publishing, decides to align itself with Wiseacre Comics. Uh, in the distribution yes. of this particular book. Also in that collaboration is the distribution of Stray Dogs 1 and 2. Now, how did this come about? I, of course, with uh, with Frederick Littles, mm -hmm. with Magnus, with Crisis coming out uh, that I'm sure is going to be, be in my hands shortly. But uh, he's somebody that is uh, that, that that, of course, has been new to the field in the past uh, year or so. And ultimately, yeah. something happened to where you guys had to chat. Yeah, uh, we kind of met on Facebook. Um, when I first met him, he, this was a little bit before Magnus was released. And in one of the forums, he was saying, uh, does anybody want to read my, my comment and give me some feedback? And I was like, sure, I'll read it. And he sent me a very rough draft. It was so rough, the, the artwork and the dialogue worked together. Dialogue was one document, or was not document. Mm -hmm. and I kind of went through it and I really enjoyed it. And I kind of gave him some honest feedback. And being sometimes in the indie space, and you sometimes don't think that your feedback will matter, especially to someone you think is ahead of you. But he actually came back, we spoke, and we really had a long conversation. And he really took what I said to heart. And that kind of went and that passed. But a couple of months later, I was looking for someone to collaborate with in order to get my books. Uh, it would be easier to get my books published in the States if I was working with a US-based company because from working from the Caribbean, it's not that easy. We're not allowed to do certain sites and different things like that. So to try to circumvent some of that, I said, well, what if I submit? And I reached out to him when I realized he, uh, there's a guy called, I can't remember his name, uh, he's, he's the writer of uh, this, the, the book with the two sons of four. Uh, I'm really horrible with names. Oh. I reached out to him, um, Magnus and Moody. He has a book called, uh, he was on your show. But um, I reached out to this guy and he said, why don't you talk to Frederick Littles 
yes. he will, you know, and I, I kind of went, put anything, but when I sent that email, he popped right back up in Facebook and said, hey, you you, you want to do a book? You want to send? And he was ready. And he was always being supportive and he liked the book. He was he really loved it. And that's how we ended up. Even I was even surprised where it was like, as you said, a cool feature where it still has the Beyond label on it because sometimes when you do publish with other people, it will fall straight directly underneath just their branding. So he's been very, very helpful. He's been a real force in getting me to get this stuff published. Right. And I really enjoy working. And through him too, I was able to collaborate and do some work on Crisis and some nice. other things, you know, so it, that's, a, that's what I really love, love about the indie community. Uh, when it really gets going and the collaborations and stuff, it's really beautiful. Absolutely. Now, in speaking of of such, um, you're somebody that does not live in the States, and yet you are an indie publisher and an indie creator. What is What, what has been your desire in doing comic books out there in Barbados? Is there any comic um, books out there? Yeah, there's tons of comic books over here, right? Okay. Um, I've, yeah, I've actually worked on. I've been doing this for 17 years, so I've probably, wow. I probably, yeah, I've probably written over. I would say roughly 20 comic books. Mm. Yeah, I've worked on about 20 comic books. Um, this is from working with the U.S. Embassy. This is working on independent books. I published a book with um Abrams, um. So I've just I've been around, I've done stuff. Um, for me, I always wanted to do comic books. It was always a passion. I was yeah. reading comic books from the time I was four. I can remember the first book I ever had. It was a Spider-Man. So it was always, but there was a low in between there where I kind of stepped away. But then I came back like 17 years and I was like, I want to do this. And let, let me, you know, put pen to paper and I started to write. So yes, there is a scene and but with every scene, there's always another place that you can venture out to. So I, that's where I ended up going. So like where I was here doing this for 17 years, I never really stepped into the US market. So then when I came into the US market, it was like starting over again kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's so much, you, you, the good thing about it is you never could lose experience. So still using that experience, still knowing how to write storytelling, those, those things never leave you. So you just kind of, just kind of turn them into and use them now when you go forward kind of thing. Right, right. Now, well, if you could, because you probably have mm-hmm. you probably have a comic book shop, shop out there in Bridgetown. Well, what, what is your go-to yeah. place out there? Uh, a place called Anime Spot. Uh, that's the that's the number one comic books place here in Barbados. Really? Now, and then, yeah, now, yeah. this is in the capital. This is in, in Bridgetown. Yeah, it's Ember Show. It's Ember Show. Mm. Uh, things kind of change. Um, growing up, we you could get a comic book anywhere. You could get a comic book at the gas station. You get a comic book at oh, the yeah. supermarket. It was like that yeah, around here, too. Yeah, yeah. It was like that. It was like you could have gone to any person's house. And if you dug up, you could find a comic book. Mm-hmm. Or somebody could give you a comic book to read. As a, as a kid, that was something that everybody was given to read here read this comic book um as it went forward um 
that's where you kind of have this whole thing with comic shops and stuff because you you can't get them like you could have before, you know. It's true. Um, so yeah, so it's either online now or comic shop kind of thing. And being that Barbados is a smaller island, you mm-hmm. will find that there's not as many comic shops because the sustainability wouldn't make sense to have five comic shops because already comics is a very niche hobby mm-hmm. in itself. Got you. Now, as far as the books that you've created so far, you've had your your terms of jumping into sci-fi, almost almost in a sci-fi action adventure type of comic. Is there any other genres that you feel like you want to explore? Um, I can tell you what I've done. I've done crime drama. I've done science fiction. I've done uh, kind of like local folklore which mm-hmm. will kind of be fantasy caribbean fantasy so i don't okay. know if you're familiar with with, with uh things like bakus duppies and that kind of stuff very caribbean heartman that kind of those kind of fantasy yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so i've done that kind of stuff um the only thing i would say that uh i i'm a person i would just say that if you came to me with a project i wouldn't say no I will okay. try. It. I will try. I've tried. I've tried. I've, I've been approached to turn a a, a screen a literal play into a comic book, and I did it. So mm. it's. I just. I just. I just try. Put it. Put my. Put my brain to it and just do it. So I don't say. So someone somewhere along the line, I learned well. Don't say no to the work. Just try it. You never yeah. know what can happen. Now you were talking about before that you you've actually created comics for the embassy. Yeah, I work with. How did that come about? Yeah, so we have one convention here every year, and it was partly kind of sponsored by the U.S. Embassy, Mm. and the the liaison at the time he was a big comic book fan, so he really kind of enjoyed the work that we were doing, and he keeps saying to me all the time, uh, or kept saying to me all the time, "I want to work with you guys. I want to work with you guys." And this is something that you kind of hear all the time. People promising and saying, well, hey, we should do something. And one day he called me and said, well, look, I want you to do a book for the embassy and I want to deal with certain, uh, come up with the social topics and stuff. So I did three books with them, one on bullying in schools, one with domestic abuse, and one of human trafficking. Mm. And right, so those were, and those were full color, 30 page books. Um, and the U.S. Embassy distributed them through the islands for free. So, so that was kind of that was a and that was a really great experience working with the U.S. Embassy. It opened a lot of doors. Now, as far as like, um, was that like your first, I guess, collaboration in doing something that was sort of pseudo in the states? Yes, that was your first. Got you. Yeah, that was first. Now, um, going forward, now this series now is just an issue too. You talked about doing books three and four, three and four, and also even in the collaboration of this project with a uh, with with uh, with a COTF. As far as like propelling that forward, this is now one collective universe. How far could this go? Um, it could go pretty far. Um, planned, I have plan to do five books with the COTF and with the Derrida's Radogs 
I am writing book three now. Mm-hmm. And book three would finish this arc. And depending on how things go, I will then jump into the second arc. And the second arc would be basically dealing with the jackals. The jackals will come back. So wow. this next book, the jackals will not come back, but it will lady it will lay the groundwork for her facing the jackals in this big uh, standoff. Got you. Now, yeah. what has the, been the reception? Not not necessarily here, but it, when you first released Stray Dogs, when you first when you had your first issue, and as far as like basically self publishing and self distribution of your comic in Barbados, what was that like? Um, the reception was good. Um, we have a we have a we have a kind of a fan base here, and. We have a convention every year, so basically that's when you get to meet and greet. Um, the feedback was really good. People loved the character of Shani. People said when it ended the first time, uh, a lot of people was like, I want more. What happens next kind of thing? And that kind of encouraged me to do the second book because yeah. it wasn't supposed to, it was supposed to be a one shot. That's it was it was supposed to be a one shot, just something that I was doing in my spare time. Because I remember that it wasn't. It was a filler book while I was waiting for something else to be done. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just to kind of show her her origin. But everybody was like, I want more of this character. And writing the character, I kind of fell in love with the character myself. Right. So I wanted to, you know, I started to explore what, what would she become or what would happen to her and then introduce the rest of the characters. So even with the some of the US creators and some of the people who read it, a lot of people really enjoy the book. Uh, people ask me why I killed off certain characters to this day. People kind of they are upset because you know some people a lot of people love certain characters. And the you thing do. that kind of really yeah some of the people that some of the things that kind of really surprised me was the amount of people who loved uh Rosa. This it's true. Of, you didn't expect that. <laughs> I did not expect that. I did not expect that. Uh, so it's been a, it's, as I said, um, I usually tell people, yes, you're doing comic books to sell, but you're doing them also for yourself because there's no guarantee that you will strike it big. So you kind of got to do it and have fun with it. You got to be doing this. A part of you have to, you part of you have to be doing this for yourself. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the books I've written were because I saw a, a, a gap in the market where I wanted to do something. So, for instance, you've read a lot of indie books. I'm sure you've never read a book like this. I haven't. Right. Because So I wanted to put that in here. You know what I mean? I could have done another superhero book. I could have done another, I don't know, Frankenstein book. But I wanted to do something that I would want to read that was a little different. And I've even had people remark and say it was kind of refreshing. It felt like a palate cleanser to read something from the indie space that was a little different. Mm-hmm. So... But at the same time, you kind of have to have fun with it. You have to kind of enjoy it. You have to kind of enjoy the processes, the good, the bad, artists skipping out, different things. There's so much. It's an adventure to produce a book, especially uh, the direct straight-outs to a book of that size. That was a task. Mm, I can imagine. Well, sir, uh, as far as the comic right now, COTF, I believe, if I... Last time I checked, it was like maybe around like 19 days left in the campaign. Uh, it's about 12 now. 
wow okay i'm way off yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so 12 days left in the campaign you already basically mm-hmm. broke funding stretch goals are pretty much already um, i'm going to guess uh, manifesting themselves um yeah and it, this pretty much should get in everybody's hands by uh we're saying december but maybe okay. before because all the books are finished um there's mm-hmm. there's nothing there's nothing left to be done all the artwork is done you have a physical copy so it's i do you can that's just done. i don't have cotf um, but i have that yes <laughs> yeah yeah you're, you're probably one of five people in the u.s that have that i'm glad i'm happy to have you <laughs> all right <laughs> yes yeah so so yeah so i uh we're saying december um and i don't really foresee any delays because it'll be as soon as the campaign start do fulfillment mm-hmm. and get the books out that's great nigel this was amazing i appreciate you taking the time with me uh all the way from barbados it is it, definitely refreshing to of course have uh, people who we have not seen before that also take on the love of indie comics and then basically embolden them in their own type of stories. So th- 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 this is great. Um, I do. I, absolutely. I, w- I, w- I wish you the best and and how you've been able to put this together and basically COTF for everybody to see. Um, it's, it, it, it's definitely a good move in the right direction. And I, I believe that Mr. Little's has not steered you wrong. He's doing a, he's doing a great job by you and basically plugging you with us over here in the U.S. market. And uh, look looking forward to a lot more of this. The issue three and uh, hopefully with CO two COTF more issue three issue two three four going forth. But um, it's it, it it's been great. So thank you again. No problem, man. No problem. All right. I really so, appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. So from James Grandmaster Facts Boyce, Nigel Lynch, Beyond Caribbean Publishing, you can get Stray Dogs 2, The Wounded, and COTF live on Kickstarter right now. That's Critical Ops Task Force for Wiseacre Comics. You'll see that on Kickstarter. Issue 1 is out right now. So for all of us at the Facts Project, we are out.